I love this time of year because from now to Palm Sunday, we are feeding Fort Myers, and that means we get to, wait for it, party. Woo! Love it. I'm so excited. So excited. And you guys know me. I don't get excited about much. You know, I'm just real just dull and dry. You know what I'm talking about? I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, our theme this year of Feeding Fort Myers is kind of, for lack of a better phrase, who's your neighbor? Of course, I'm from Indiana, so who's your neighbor? You know, kind of who's your, who's your neighbor? Who's here? Who's your neighbor? Okay. Of course, the other popular neighbor uh, in, in the history of America is Mr. Rogers. Now, you guys know that they have officially censored me from singing on the stage. <clears throat> However, there's this little window of time each Sunday where I have the microphone. And the reality is I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in the neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Yes, you will. Awesome. Good. Ha. Take that. Woo. Censorship is dead. Awesome. Okay. So actually, the irony here is Jesus actually has this really cool engagement in, in the book of Luke, chapter 10. And if you have your Bible, would love for you to turn with me to Luke, chapter 10. If not, the verses will be on the screens around me. You'll be able to follow along there. Because in Luke, chapter 10, we find the story of, of this, this religious leader of the day coming up to Jesus and kind of like trying to back Jesus into a corner. And so he's pushing on Jesus a little bit. And in Luke, chapter 10, starting in verse 25, we read this encounter where in no uncertain terms, this, this religious guy kind of asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who, who, is, who is this neighbor that you speak of? Look at it. Luke 10, verse 25 says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26. What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? Love that. What does your law say to you? Ha, ha, got that. Verse 27. Look, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he goes on to say this. This is what the law said. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes on with the guy, verse 28. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you'll live. Yeah, you got it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, yep, if you can do that, you got it figured out. Verse 29, look at this. But he wanted to justify himself. Time out. Okay, look, ever ever known somebody, maybe it was you, maybe it was me, that tried to justify themselves before God? That is not a game you want to play. This guy's about to find out personally. Look, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, he, a man was going down from Jerusalem. I, I, I love this about our Savior. Because at, at the most opportune times, Jesus had this incredible way of breaking into story. And this is one of those moments where this religious guy is trying to be all theological and let's debate in some sort of ology and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is like, once upon a time. <laughs> Can't you imagine being the religious leader being like, once upon a time? Where is that in my systematic theology book? 
it's in there. Check it out. I love this. Jesus breaks into story right here. Once upon a time, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, verse 31, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus gets to this part of the story and he says a priest, that was kind of like, like saying someone who was like the beloved of your culture, like someone who was just like a humanitarian and a, and a philanthropist. This is like, it would be the same as if, you know, Jesus said, and Brad and Angelina came down the same road as the duffer who got beat up. That type of a, of a thing. In that culture, it was like, oh, yeah, wow, those are really good people. That's what he was saying right here. A priest happened to be going. Verse 32. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side of the road. Now, this would be like someone saying to us, like, like a community leader. Someone that, that we know in our community that we're kind of like, wow, that guy seems like a really nice guy. Like the, like the city mattress guy on TV. <laughs> I don't know that guy, and if you're here, come on up, dude. I love the commercials. <laughs> you know, like, like that, that type of a guy that everybody knows, you know. They're like, oh, yeah, I bet you that guy sleeps well. <laughs> you know, th that's, that's kind of what's going on. So to a Levite, <laughs> he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, verse 33. But a Samaritan, and at this point in Jesus' story, like if, if, there were, if there were like a soundtrack, this is where it would be like, this would be the equivalent of going, but your enemy, like to all of the Red Sox or Rays fans out there, this is like saying, but a Yankee fan. We're all like, oh, like to the Colts fans, but then a Saints fan went by. And all of the, all of the religious people who are listening in the moment, they're like, Oh, the saints. Oh, they did go marching in. Right, that's kind of what, what's going on right here. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Verse 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35. The next day he took out two denarii, or about a hundred bucks, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And Jesus breaks with the story and he turns back to his live audience, particularly this religious guy. And he says in verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And watch the, the, I love the religious guy's reply, verse 37. The expert in the law replied, he couldn't even say the word Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him. It was so disgusting for him to, to think that this enemy, that this, this Samaritan, that he, would, he wouldn't even say the word out loud. And so Jesus basically just nails this guy right between the eyes. He's trying to justify himself. I love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is like, listen, more times than not, the neighbor, the true neighbor, the one who's truly living like Christ might not be the one you think. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. If there's one thing I know about Next Level Church, it is this. Listen, what happens in here is cool. What happens in here is great. But this is not why we exist. 
Next Level Church, we exist. We have, will, and always will exist. Not for this, but for them. For the ones who are outside of this room. That is the vision of Next Level Church. That's why Sarah and I moved here eight years ago to start Next Level. That's why we're doing all that we're doing. It's, it's, not, it's not about us. It's about them. And if there's one theme that I hope we'll grab a hold of as we, as we begin to ramp up toward Easter... This year, I I hope it is this, that you and I will begin to understand that we must, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, continue to blur the lines between what happens in here and what we do and how we happen out there. That's what this church is all about. That's what it means to live like Jesus, is to be the neighbor to someone else. I love what happens in here. I love it. I think our worship team is awesome. I think our coffee and donuts are superb. I love what happens in our children's ministries or in our youth ministries on Wednesday nights. That is great. But guys, listen, what it means to be a church, what it means to be a church of Jesus Christ doesn't just include what happens in here. It is all about what we do out there. That's why I love feeding Fort Myers. That's why I love this time of year because this is a practical, easy, tangible way for us to put the cookies on the bottom shelf or the canned goods as it were on the bottom shelf And make it easy for every single one of us to build relational bridges into our neighborhoods. Be it our our homes or where we live or our workplaces or the schools we attend, whatever. So four things I want to real quick point out in the story. Because I think they not only have application back then, but I think they apply to us today as well. Is this. Number one, notice that the man had been beaten down pretty bad. Notice that the man had been beaten down pretty bad. Verse 30 says that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Of course, anytime Jesus tells a parable or a story like this one, he is illustrating a bigger, broader point. Well, well, the robber in the story, illustratively, it represents the world system. And what was true back then is also true today. And guys, if there's one thing I could say, it's this. We can't ever underestimate the level at which people are being beaten down today. Ever felt beaten down? Ever felt like you're just running on the wheel? (laughs) Ever felt like you're chasing your tail and you can't catch it? Ever felt like life has this way of knocking the wind out of you? Life kind of has a slow leak, doesn't it? Even even the, the best of lives can get discouraged. Even, even the, the happiest of people can get deflated. How much more the hundreds of thousands of residents who are living in Southwest Florida today, right now, who have been damaged by the economy, who have been beaten up by a shrinking workforce, who have found themselves demoted or laid off, who have found their investments shrinking, 
who've lost a home or a condo or an investment. Life has a way of beating us down pretty bad, doesn't it? Well, that's where this man found himself. These robbers, the world system had jumped him and had left him half dead. Second thing I would love for you to notice is notice that the first two guys that go by, the priest and the Levite, these guys were churchgoers. Clearly, the, the priest was a religious guy, but what we maybe some of us don't know is that the Levite was, was a member of the tribe of Levi, which was, which was where the priest came from, which is kind of like the special chosen tribe, if you will. And see, the, these guys, these guys were, were, were the good guys. But isn't it interesting that, that it's, it's possible for even us good guys to get so busy being good we can miss the needs around us. These weren't bad guys. I don't think these guys were evil. I think they were just checking their email on their Blackberries. Happens to us, doesn't it? I know I'm guilty of that. I know I can get so busy with, with my life. I can get running so fast with work and with church and with speaking and with, with Little League baseball and with the bills and with our house and with American Idol three nights a week. There's a good chance these guys were just walking down the road, just doing the deal, just using their thumb, just going to town, and just, oh yeah, there's a, there's a guy laying there. He's pretty bloody. Let's, I just, I'm actually going to Twitter. I just passed a guy who's really bloody. And he never even talks on us. Sometimes it's, possible for us good guys to get so busy doing what we do that we can actually become blind to what's happening out there. Which leads us to number three. When it comes to the Samaritan, I think the interesting thing about it is that the Samaritan, the Bible records in verse 33, saw him. The guy that had been beaten down laying on the side of the road, the Bible records that the Samaritan saw him. Perhaps for me, that's, that's maybe the most powerful element in the entire story. Is that the Samaritan had positioned his life to be able to see. The other two guys didn't truly see the need. Oh, they may have saw it, but they didn't really see it. So what about us? Which one are we more like, if we're being honest with ourselves today? The one who was busy? Or the one who saw? Listen to this question. When was the last time we allowed ourselves to make eye contact with need? When was the last time we allowed ourselves to make eye contact? With need. It was a year ago during our Feeding Fort Myers campaign that the week after we had launched Feeding Fort Myers, my wife was driving uh, down Daniels and she saw a homeless woman on the side of the road with a sign that said, Please help hungry kids. I was talking to my wife just last night about it. 
And she said that when she drove past and saw that one woman with the sign that said, Hungry Kids, she felt like the, the Spirit of God whispered into her heart and said, Okay, great, you're trying to mobilize a hundred parties and blah, da da. Will you do it for one when nobody's watching? And so my wife did. She turned the car around and she went to Burger King, got a $10 card and handed it to the lady and spent a couple minutes talking and ministering to her. It happened to my son and I. It was the, the day of the party. It was Saturday before Palm Sunday last year. My son and I were taken off to go. We were actually headed for one of our parties um, up here on Plantation, and the CBS News crew was going to be there, and they wanted to interview me, interview me live from a party with the cans, the whole deal. And I had my, my, my son with me. And we went to 7-Eleven to get some coffee and a donut, and as we pulled into 7-Eleven, I saw this homeless guy sitting on a curb. And as I pulled in my car to, to go get a coffee and a donut for my son and I, I just felt like the Spirit of God just whispered to my heart and said, you're about to feed a whole bunch of people today with all of these parties. Don't miss the one. And so we went back inside 7-Eleven and we got some more donuts. And we went and we sat down for about five minutes on that curb with that homeless guy. I asked him his story and I got to talk to him. He told me how he's actually hitchhiking all the way from Pennsylvania to South Naples where his granddaughter lives. That his granddaughter had called him and said, come and visit me, Grandpa. And he didn't have any other way to get down here. So he just decided that he'd hitchhike the 1,500 miles or whatever it is. And so he had made it this far. And there sat myself and my, he was eight at the time, my then eight-year-old, sitting on a curb talking to this guy, sharing a donut for breakfast. When was the last time we allowed ourselves to make eye contact with need? Because I could almost guarantee you that right now in your neighborhood, somebody's in need. They might not be homeless, but they're losing their home. They might not be sleeping outside, but their hours just got cut at work. They, they might not be losing everything, but they're losing their marriage. What if during these next few weeks, you and I could give ourselves permission to make eye contact with need in our world again, in our office, in our school, in our neighborhood, in our families. See, that's what feeding Fort Myers is all about. The Samaritans saw the need. And then finally, number four, he went to him. I think it's interesting to note that it was the Samaritan who ended up going to the need. He didn't hold a church service and say, well, man, if you've got a need, you show up Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.15. You come. Matter of fact, if you're hungry, we got coffee and donuts, kids' tables, wet wipes. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He went to him. 
he saw the need. And then he said, I'll go to you. I'll address your wound. I'll bandage you up. I'll put you on my donkey and take you to an end. And I will personally get involved in your recovery. And I believe, Next Level Church, that that is exactly the call that God has for us. So here's what we're going to do. The guys talked about it earlier. We, at Next Level, we're always looking for creative and easy ways to position every one of us who call Next Level Church our home to build bri- bridges of relationship to our world. And we think feeding Fort Myers is that. How hard can it be to throw a party? And in my mind, check this out. Guys, it's win, win, win. Watch this. Because you win because now you've got instant relational roads and bridges into your neighborhoods or your workplace or your school or wherever your sphere of influence is. Instant relationship. You could, now you've got an excuse to talk to them. Hello, my name is Matt. We are throwing a party at our pool clubhouse on Saturday. Please come and bring cans. Lots of them. <laughs> Guys, it's so easy. I'm telling you, it is so easy to do that. I think the second win is, I think your neighbors win. You know why? Because everybody, deep inside of everybody, is, a, is, is this desire to want to be a part of something that's helping somebody. Bring some cans. Help hungry people. Done. And third win, hungry people. (laughs) Hello, it's canned goods. Guys, I'm telling you, this is win, 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 baby. I am so excited to see every single one of us take a packet today when you leave this place and be like, boom, it is game on. So, so guys, I'm telling you, it can't get any easier than this. All we got to do is throw a party. Listen. The Samaritan, he wasn't like the most qualified. He probably wasn't even a a religious guy. But he was able to help. Well, you know what I think? I think every single one of us, in our own way, are going to be able to help. And here's what I love about it. Okay, first of all, so the packets, it's like party in a packet. Okay, that's like the idiot's guide to party planning. I'm serious. No, 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 really. It's like number one, open the packet. Number two, take out this sheet of paper. Number three, you've already started reading it. Why are you questioning yourself now? Number like really, it's just like, uh, it's just, it's right there. If it were a machine gun noise in a cartoon, it would be this. That's exactly what it is right there. I'm just telling you, it's just, it's just right there. It's, it's boom. And, and did you hear the guys mention the 50 bucks? Listen, no excuses, baby. If you, need, if you need help underwriting the cost of your party, we'll give you $50. You know why? Because we believe this is powerful. We believe that we can change our community together. We can mobilize our neighborhoods together. We can make a difference this Easter season together by feeding Fort Myers. You up for that? Come on, I am too. So what do we need you to do? Number one, we need you to go get a packet right now. There's a sign-up table in the foyer on your way out today. Make sure you connect and do that. Number two, I forget what number two is. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, oh, this is the, yeah, this is important. 
Get a packet, sign up, do the whole deal, register online, nextlevelchurch.com backslash party, and all that information's in there. Register your party so we can make the database, make it happen. But the second thing I would challenge you to do, number one is get a packet. Number two is, I dare you this week, Next Level Church, to see a need. I dare you to allow yourself to make eye contact with a need again. Maybe you're like me, and man, you've gotten your life going busy, and you're just da 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 and you're just rolling through your day. I challenge you this week, my challenge this week, and I believe the challenge from our God this week for us is to dare to make eye contact with a need again. Because if we will, God will not only change us, but he'll change them in the process. Will you do that? Will you do that? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that the whole point of church is not what happens in here. Thank you, God, that the whole point of being one of your children, your followers, is not what's going on in here. But, Lord, thank you that it's actually what's happening out there. And so, Lord Jesus, right now, I pray, God, that you would mobilize and move on our hearts, God, to go and grab a packet and start planning a party. Maybe it's a breakfast party. Maybe it's a, a lunch party. Maybe it's a dinner thing. Maybe it's a pool party. Whatever, God, give us your creativity to know how to engage our neighbors appropriately, that we could invite them into meeting a need and feeding hungry people this Easter season. Still praying, I want to ask one more question. Maybe you're here today and you can identify with the, the guy who got beat up. Maybe you've come into this place today and you're looking at yourself going, Matt, I'm telling you, I am that guy. I am that, that woman. I have been beat down by the world. I want you to know something. There's hope for you today. There's hope. There's hope. We serve a loving, gracious, amazing God who right now in the stillness of this moment wants to come and touch you. And here's what I want to do. Before we, we end our time together and Pastor Scott comes back, I just want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. If that's you today, man, if you've come in today and you just feel beat up, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you down front or do anything weird. I just want an opportunity to pray for you. I just have felt this all week long, that there are going to be people in here today who are hurting. And I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now? Thank you. Awesome. Wow, thanks. Great. Others? Others? Nobody else is looking around. This is just between you and me. Is there anybody else? Just slip your hand up. Yeah, you're hurting. Man, you feel like life is, is a slow leak. You feel like a punch in the gut. Jesus, I thank you that you're here right now. That your love is assured. That your peace passes our understanding. And Father, right now, Lord, you see so many hands, so many hearts that are heavy. Lord God, you see, Lord, that the world we're walking in, the world we're trying to navigate through right now in our life is heavy. It is burdensome, Lord. It's, it's, it's just, it, it feels like it's just, just taking the wind out of us. So, Father, right now, by the power of your spirit, right where we're seated, Lord, I pray that your confident and assurance would begin to fill our hearts and minds. Lord, we need you. You're our only hope. You're our strength. You're our peace. Lord, come and move in hearts today, I pray. Come and move, Jesus. We've been beaten down. But we find restoration and strength in you today. So, Jesus, I lift up my brothers and sisters in your name. 
Now, Father, we pray together collectively as a church that you would give us a passion and a fire to party like never before. God, to throw parties in our workplaces and in our homes and in our schools and in our neighborhoods and in our community centers, God, that we would be able to mobilize over 120 neighborhood or community parties in one week, God, that we could meet a need, that we could see relational bridges built that we've never had before. And God, we could see your spirit and your love impact Southwest Florida like never before, God. That is our cry today. And we pray it in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. And all across this room, everybody sing.